Hey, beautiful humans. It's time to stop sacrificing for everyone else and put you first. Are you feeling tired, stuck, or disconnected? Or maybe you're just looking to be the best version of you. I'm Mary Wong. And I'm Dr. Tanya Wild, and this is Embrace, Embrace You First, a podcast to help you thrive and not just survive. We are busy moms, successful entrepreneurs, and doctors in the field of natural medicine with over 40 years combined clinical experience. You're going to learn from our professional expertise and our juicy secrets that have helped thousands of men and women just like you. We are going to teach you practical and doable strategies on health, relationships, and career. So sit back, relax, and get ready to embrace you right now. And today we have an amazing guest with us, Dr. Jordan Wiggins. So I was at um, the hairdresser before quarantine lockdown and I, w- the hairdresser was telling me about how a social worker had come in. She was talking about how uh, she sees more men about sexual health issues than women because they're almost desensitized by watching porn. So they don't even, they're having more issues around um, what's kind of a normal bedroom time. And then they can't maintain erections like these younger men in their 20s because they're not getting the porn video in the bedroom. And Can you speak to that a bit? Oh, for sure. It's a big um, issue coming up for couples. And there's a lot of couples that they the men will need to be watching porn while being intimate. And the focus is not on the partner, it's on the video. And what people aren't realizing about how damaging this is, is that pornography is an industry. It's meant to sell. It's meant to make money. So just like our phones, when we're getting like notifications and likes and that we're getting these little dopamine hits, right? So with pornography and the way it's recorded with all the different camera angles and what's being recorded, it's designed to increase those dopamine hits in a way that one person can't possibly do because you're not going to get all these different angles that are changing constantly and giving you the same sort of stimulation. So it almost becomes like, an addiction to have that amount of um, like neurotransmitter release from watching pornography. And you'll see, so the industry, like the envelope just keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed for more out there, more um, like less realistic sexual encounters. And I'm not talking necessarily like that the kink stuff or anything is bad. That's not, what I'm trying to say, but I'm just mean that with you and your two eyes and a partner, it's not possible to um, have, it's designed to get you hooked, basically. Right. right. Yeah. The overstimulation. Mm -hmm. So then, yeah, a real life partner is not, not the same. And it's, it's damaging, right? And it's damaging for both parties in that way. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. I I personally treat a lot of people for fertility. And so that becomes almost like a safety net. We'll just do an IUI. Like, let's have my husband watch a porn video, shoot it into a cup, and then we'll just inseminate. 
And then you just take sex out of the equation. Mm -hmm. It's just the porn. <laughs> it's crazy because that's happening. So in, in those situations, I say, come home, be intimate and have an orgasm together because why not, right? Just to mm -hmm. add a little bit of a connection together and get the little sperm traveling up. <laughs> I love to, that. <laughs> yeah, just to, for sure. Because I watched a video on a plane once and, and it was all about that, that the sperm will just kind of hang around without the orgasm, but the orgasm will just wave it up to, and there's actually a mechanical change with the orgasm. Um, tell us about the mindset because mindset really matters when it comes to sexual health. Can you explain why and what a healthy mindset looks like as a solution? To some yeah. of this so we need to, and this is like the mindset around communication, needing to be able to figure out what you want and how to ask for it. Because it's like, there's this gag um, when it comes to asking for your sexual needs to be met. You could be married, two kids, known each other for 15 years, 20 years, and you cannot ask for what you need in the bedroom. It's a problem. Um, and, and not even knowing what you need or what you want, right? Because you've been focusing on penetrative sex, which might not be what's working or um, basically, if you don't, if you're not desiring sex, then there's more out there, right? For you. Um, so we want to really look at uncovering what do people want in an environment that's safe and something that both parties, if they're in a sex rut, can kind of go on this journey of exploration together that feels new. But it's almost like we need to give per people permission to do that and parameters to do that because it so, seems so scary or so unknown because it's not what we've been taught or shown. Right. So, and, and that's in a partner relationship, but, and then, you know, I think that's so important, but then I also want to look at masturbation. We didn't really talk about let's that. Talk, yeah. Let's talk about that because that is one <laughs> of the main, so super taboo. I've written um, probably for like eight or 10 international media outlets just on masturbation. Like, Cosmo, Mind, Body, Green, like big outlets about masturbation because it is so taboo. Um, and people, there's all these hangups that we have, like it's wrong, it's cheating on my partner or even- Wow. Yeah, it's, it's very fascinating what um, comes up because one of the ways to figure out what you want is to know your own body. And what kind of touch and stimulation, frequency, pressure do you like? And oftentimes, if you don't know that for yourself, how are you supposed to communicate that to someone else? Exactly. So, so we've even in <laughs> the women that I work with, the couples that I work with, they, we call it self-pleasure, because just even the word masturbation feels too dirty or too stigmatized for most people. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you go around that then? If your mindset is um, 
masturbation or self-pleasure is bad, how are you speaking to these people to let them see that it's, it's not? What are you saying to them? So we start with baby steps and we start out of the bedroom. Because if you notice culturally, we have things backwards, in my opinion, um, where we're starving ourselves of pleasure and enjoyment. It's work hard, then play hard and enjoy. It's, you know, if somebody touches you, it's almost like you pull away, right? If somebody was to put their hand on your shoulder, would you lean into it? Or as even healthcare providers were taught constantly about like, you know, how to not, and I understand that there's rules for this and I'm not saying go out and start touching strangers or anything by any (laughs) means, but just boundaries. Yes, for sure. Boundaries, consent, which we can also talk about those, but just if somebody's going to touch you like do you lean into it and let it feel good if somebody gives you a compliment do you let it land and feel the full joy from something like that like the gift that somebody is giving you by giving you a compliment are you saying oh no like this shirt's old I got it on sale you know or are you saying you know thank you it's true I look great today I love that you're bringing this up. How do you receive touch? Because I think it depends on your modeling system and on your love language. I don't know if you read the book, The Five Love Languages, if you incorporate the quiz into your practice, but understanding that for some people, physical touch is not their love language. So they don't necessarily want to give or receive it. Um, Perhaps, you know, words of affirmation is more along their love language or acts of service. I don't know. Have you read up on that book at all? I have. And we use it in, I use it in my practice and um, with the coaching clients. So it's like, it's fascinating because we give love in the way that we like to receive it. And oftentimes our partners are, are speaking a completely different language. Yes. So if your love language is acts of service by picking up the wet towels and washing them that are on the bathroom floor or making sure that there's a nice dinner, that's ways that you're showing your love. But if your partner's love language is physical touch, they're ignoring all those things that you're doing. They're not recognizing it as oh, well, my partner's showing me love through these acts of service. They want to be touched. So when we have those mismatches in relationships, it can create a lot of... um, Disconnect. Yeah. Right? Because you're giving your love language. They're not receiving it well. They're not even open to it or, or like understanding that you're doing all these things for them. And then they maybe are touching you while you're bending over to pick up the mat. You're like, ew, don't touch me because that's not your thing. So it's like, if you sit down with someone like you and talk about like, what are your love languages so that you can even just say, thank you and receive those gifts. Then all of a sudden the intimacy improves. It's true. Being able to um, give and express love and also receive it is Right. Really, really important when we're working with couples and intimacy. So now you're bending over to pick up that mat and you're moving into the touch when your partner touches your exactly. back, right? And then you both feel better from that encounter because you both know you're showing love. It's just in different ways. 
and your spouse is saying, thank you for picking up the mat while they're touching your back. Right? Exactly. Like, understanding. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's it's interesting. Funny. That's a good point. Cause this comes up a lot. I work with so many women that they don't, they stop, um, leaning into the touch, going in for a kiss or a hug, because if their partner's love language is physical touch, they think that by offering that it's going to lead to intimacy. So what they end up doing is pulling away and offering less physical touch over time because they're not desiring to be intimate at that moment, but that's how their partner's receiving it. So they will go to bed at a different time or change at a different time. So as not to be, you know, instigating something. So it's, it's very fascinating when, um, when we're not communicating and we don't know these things about our partners, how easy it is to get disconnected. That's such a good point because perhaps for the spouse, just you leaning into the physical touch would be enough. Maybe they don't want to be in the bedroom later and that they're just missing out on that physical connection. And it's just a little baby step. So I love that you bring it outside the bedroom first. Always. On that. Mm-hmm. Because so- usually it's, we're dealing with people that are so disconnected or there is that problem there that we can't just say like, you know, hop in bed and fix this and this, and then it's going to be great. We need to start with things outside the bedroom. And then once we get that mindset shift, it's so easy to build on it for intimacy in the bedroom. So it sounds like, you know, what you're alluding to is, you know, there's a difference between sex and intimacy and you're physically shifting it. So that's outside of the bedroom. Love that. Right. And because I think there is a confusion. It's like sex is intimacy and the intimacy does not have to equate to sex. It doesn't. And the funny thing is, is that the more intimacy you have, the more sex you will have. And I don't even necessarily mean, you know, penis and vagina sex, because that's a myth that I would love to bust across the board. But just that connection, you know, staring into each other's eyes, having dinners where phones are put away and you're just having great conversation. Um, All of those things, understanding that when you're picking up the bath mat and they're touching you and saying, thank you, like all of those things build to more orgasms more connection because you're you're trusting you're connected and there's so many opportunities throughout the day that we miss yes that's so great because what i find then too is there's so many ways where we can get over consumed by all the things that we're doing in our days right you know the working and if you have kids the kids if you have a pet you know taking care of everything else but your relationship right and so intimacy, I think, is so prevalent. I'm, I'm actually thinking specifically now um, of a couple where, let's say, the husband is snoring like crazy. I said, you know, it is okay. You can actually sleep in a separate room. You can still be intimate and not necessarily sleep in the same bed because you need your sleep. What do you think of that? I completely agree. I'm telling people to sleep in different yeah. rooms all the time. Yeah. Can you and s- when you're more well-rested... 
<laughs> you're going to have more energy for intimacy for sure. The, but there's that confusion. It's like, oh, well, if I sleep in the same bed, that means we are intimate. But that's totally not what it means, right? For sure. Just because you're lying mean, side by side. Yeah, it could mean I want a better sleep. <laughs> and we could have time. Um, and I'm recommending this all the time. We call it intimacy dates in the Pleasure Collective, which is scheduled time for you and your partner to be intimate. And it doesn't necessarily mean close off intimate. It just means it could be doing a puzzle together or making dinner together, just going for a walk, something where the two of you are connected without distraction. And I love, yeah, I, I loved it that you said going on a date and putting your phones away or electronics away because yeah. it's so easy to get to that, right? And then, the, then it actually creates a disconnection. So you're physically together, but really emotionally, spiritually, you're not together at all. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with the like sleeping in the same bed, right? It's that idea but it's not necessarily like the true connection where we're getting the oxytocin release and the dopamine release, which makes us feel connected even after we've been together for years. Boy, this stuff is so juicy and we can just go on and on with this. And we have to do another episode sometime together. I would love to. I usually come back for two because there's tons (laughs) of questions. Yeah. Yeah. I love the concept of just sitting on the couch with a cup of tea and connecting in a way of like, how are you? Like just even asking that question, how are you feeling? So apparently I read that men ask, um, don't really know always how to answer that question. Like, how are you feeling? Women are more able to answer that. Whereas if you say, what are you thinking? Or how do you think about that to men? They're more open to maybe then being in touch with how they're feeling. (laughs) So even just the wording and just connecting on the couch, the cup of tea, phones away, just checking in. And then that can sometimes lead to intimacy and recognizing that it's not just for the men, it's for the women too. Cause a lot of women are like, Oh, I don't have a libido. And you know, I, I, what is it for anyway? Like you don't need it, but it's beyond just having an orgasm. Although that isn't something nice to achieve. And I would love to know more on that, maybe on a future episode on yes. ways that we can like build us up as women and men to get our levels of energy to a place where we even can get there to think about, you know, uh, or self-pleasure and, Um, connecting more at that level as well, not just the outside the bedroom, but then moving slowly into the bedroom. Definitely. And lack of pleasure is a health problem. It's something that we do need to be addressing because it's affecting so many areas of our lives and our, our happiness. So I would love to come back and dive deeper and give more tips, even on the conversations to have on the couch or during the intimacy dates. These are things that we're giving the people that I work with, because it is so easy just to fall into the ruts and like talk about the money and the kids and the house and the stressors. And like, that doesn't make anyone feel good and connected. So even even teaching people how to have those conversations is, is so, so important. Okay, so done deal. I think we're going to have you right back on for this part two. And um, let's just end off here with what fills your cup today, last week in general? 
I'll, I'll go with today because I have an 11 week old daughter. And at some point on my pleasure to do list, I'm going to have a bath with bubbles and I'm going to read a book that just got delivered that I've been looking forward to. And I'm going to take 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is. And I'm just going to be still. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. For more information on Dr. Jordan Wiggins, naturopathic doctor, go to our website at www.embraceyouverse.com and we will have all of our show notes and more information on Dr. Wiggins if you'd like to see her and her book, The Pink Canary, which basically is a book all on the hidden secrets to optimal wellness. Thank you for watching. Please share and subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you for joining us. Click subscribe, like, and share. Please comment and suggest topics you want us to cover. Until next time, ask yourself how you're going to embrace you first today. For more podcasts, check out embraceyoufirst.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.